Welcome to No Truth Culture, where you know truth or you have no truth. I'm your host, Mr. Misunderstood, and I'll be having the distinct privilege and honor of helping you rip the Band-Aid off when it comes to all things truth in culture today. As always, to stay up to date with all things No Truth Culture, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or the episode description. To help support us here financially, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once on the website, click on support. Well, without further ado, buckle up and get ready because it's time to rip the band-aid off so the truth can set you free. Welcome back to the program. We've got a jam-packed episode for you this week and we're going to be starting off with the theme of the episode is enemy so it is all about the enemy and how we can overcome and defeat the enemy today so that is the main overall theme that you will grasp and get all throughout each topic discussed this week now the topics that we will be going over the priority of prayer. Woo, that one's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a great way to fire off this week's episode. The next one is staying faithful in the Father's house. How can we stay faithful in the Father's house? We're going to get into that. Divinely human. We're going to take a look at the life of John in the Bible and how he was divinely human and how we are also divinely human when we are in Christ Jesus. Whew, going to be a great deep dive there. Bible trivia for the week. And the question of the week is, what is one of the best ways to defeat the devil, the enemy? We're going to answer that. But you won't know where or when. Well, you'll know where, but you won't know when. In this episode, that question will be answered. So you won't want to miss it. You want to stay tuned to find out the answer to that very question. So. Because again, you'll never know when in the episode that question will get answered. So it's to keep it that level of intrigue for you. Talk back. Woo, that one's going to be a firing, all, all systems to go fired up topic. It's going to be talk back. And finally, lend me your ears. And so much more will be covered on the episode. And we'll always finish off with the send off. The feel-good story of the week. Oh, we're going to be getting you that. Pulling on those heartstrings a little bit to end off the episode. So let's get right into it. Let's dive in with the uh, priority of prayer. And again, overall theme, enemy. We're fighting the enemy. The enemy is the devil. Understand that. Your body is the altar. And it either has fire on it or it's gone out. So... You know, your body, it's the altar. So you either have the fire burning on and within it, or that the fire is just dead and gone. And you're lukewarm, and the Bible says that God will just spit you out of his mouth. He'll vomit you out because you're useless to God when you're lukewarm. Something innate in us desires to communicate with God. 
It's just in there. We want to do it. So I recommend you do it. The reason God made us is so we can communicate and fellowship with him. That is the number one reason why we were created in the first place, is to have that fellowship with him. And that is incredible when you really think about it. Prayer isn't something you do only when you're in trouble. It's about open communication with God at all times. You don't just set aside a 15-minute little prayer session in the morning and then put God on the back burner and say, hey, you know what? We're done. You know, it's nice knowing you for the day. Take care of me. Make sure everything's a go. Make sure I don't get sick. Make sure no problems happen. And uh, I'll come, I'll check back with you tomorrow morning for our 15 minutes. It doesn't work like that. It's pray without ceasing, the Bible says. It's nonstop. It's all throughout the day. It ought to be an innate innate response, an automatic response that when something goes up, when something good happens, when something bad happens, you're automatically praying. You're seeking God. You're asking for help. It's just like it becomes so second nature to you. It's like subconscious. It's just automatic. You just automatically do it. Boom, pray. Boom, pray. It's a sin not to pray, as stated in 1 Samuel 12, 33. If you forget to pray, then you're forgetting God. If prayer is not real to you, then God is not real to you. If you don't pray, you don't have a ladder between earth and heaven. We've become so casual in Christianity today. It's all about what we want. But what about what God wants? Prayer is the wood that keeps the fire burning within us. Understand that, that prayer is the wood that keeps the fire burning within our souls. It's a passion. It's like that, that uh, um, the priests had to keep the fire burning on the altar at all times. That's basically what this is getting at. It's you got to keep that fire burning within you, your heart, your body, your mind, your soul. That's the altar of Christ. So you want to keep the fire burning within that at all times. It's an incredible picture when you really give it some thought. Sweep out the ashes and disregard sin in your life, and never allow the Holy Spirit to leave you. The five laws of prayer. Number one, prayer must be a priority and the priority. When you read the Bible, that's God talking to you. And when you pray, that's you talking to God. The most important thing a believer can do is develop and maintain a consistent, I'll repeat, consistent, prayer life. It's vital in order for you to have victory in your life. Look at Matt 6 verse 6. Build prayer into your schedule and have everything else work around it. You make prayer a priority because it's a sin killer, a power bringer, a Christ revealer, an obstacle remover, a disciple healer, the holiness promoter, a victory giver. It's an incredibly powerful thing. And you definitely want to be able to tap into all of what God can do in and through prayer in your life. And you can't do that. and You won't have that victory or that power if you're not in prayer, seeking him, turning from your wicked ways, which we all have. It's innately in us. We're human. We're wickedly sinful. And our hearts are deceitfully evil and wicked. That's what the Bible declares. And so in order to counteract that, what do we need to do? We need to be in prayer. And you need to be talking to God and and revealing your heart to him and being open and honest and real and genuine and sincere in doing so. When you pray, it's, it's making dealing with life easier because it strengthens you to deal with life better. So number two, you must have a prayer 
time. If you don't have a time of prayer, you won't make it. You won't make it in life without setting aside time to pray and to seek him. Dedicating specific times with no distractions, nothing, and just having that time between you and God. And then all throughout the day as well, praying. So you have that set time, yes, but then all throughout the day, you're still praying without ceasing. A time of prayer is a wall of protection over you and your family. It is extremely powerful. Look at Daniel 6.10 and Acts 10.3. If you'll prayer and have an established time of prayer, miracles will start to happen in your life. Number three, there must be a place of prayer. So a dedicated place to pray where you go and that's just your prayer closet, your prayer place, and that's where you set that time aside to pray. So get somewhere alone and pray and make sure you give God your undivided attention when you do it. Look at Genesis 24 verses 63 through 64. If you'll pray, God will bring you a spouse if it's his will for you, instead of you looking on your own in the worst possible places. Number four, you must use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for how you pray. This doesn't mean you just recite the Lord's Prayer word for word. It's You use it as a pattern. The Lord's Prayer has six parts you should follow. Praise, priority, provision, pardon, power, and praise. Number five, You must pray out loud. Look at Luke 11, verse 2. Prayer is not quiet. Say it. Pray it out loud. Get over your shyness and pray out loud. Just be bold. The statistics are in one out of every two marriages, even in the church and in divorce. Now, here's another stat. One out of every 2,000 marriages where the couples pray together and in divorce. So. It goes from one out of every two, 50%, to one out of every 2,000 if the couples are praying. So pray. That's the lesson learned right there. Prayer is powerful and can save your life, your marriage, and so much more. Look at Mark 11, verse 17. God says his house is a house of prayer. So are you praying? Are you bowing down and seeking God and turning from evil and wickedness? and the sins of this life and the desires of this life and of your heart to just bow down before God and say, you know what? I need you more than I need anyone and anything else. I need love. I need kindness. I need mercy. I need grace. I need the power of prayer. I need your Holy Spirit to work in and through my life to help me, to guide me, to lead me, direct me, and mold me as clay into potter's hands, to shape my every thought that I wouldn't have wicked thoughts when I have cravings and and desires for evil and for wickedness and want to have those sinful things become a part of my life. I need to be praying. I need to be seeking the Lord. I need to be driving towards God and not running from him, especially when things get hard and difficult. You need to be praying all the more when you're in a difficult situation and not give up on God and pray less, which is what our innate response wants to be. We want to, oh, well, we can do this. We've got this. You know, I've got this. I don't need prayer. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. I don't need prayer. And the reality is, is you ought to want to pray. It ought to be a thing that you want to do. It shouldn't be a chore that you, oh, I have to pray now. No, it's I get to pray. I get to seek the Lord. I get to be doing and 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 interacting with him in a relational way that is extremely powerful and beneficial to my walk with him and to my everyday life. 
It makes you a better person. It feeds your spirit. It brings you peace that surpasses all understanding because of prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Enjoy that nobody will be able to steal from you and that you ought not to give away freely. And I'm talking real peace and real joy that doesn't just fade away. Happiness is temporal. It, it's an emotion. But peace is peace and joy are two things that stay with you in the heart of, in the midst of, the toughest of times. You still have that peace and joy. Why? Because you know you serve an incredible God and that everything that you're going through is temporal and that at the end of the day, you can look up and know that you're going to make heaven your home and you're going to be with him for eternity. And this life is a dot on the map and eternity is everything else. And so don't forget that. Focus your attention more so on eternity and take it off of the worries of today and of this life. Because like I just said, this life is temporal. It's here today, gone tomorrow. It's but a breath. It may seem like it lasts forever, but it doesn't. Eternity is where time really, or where things really matter because it lasts forever. It's so much longer than you could ever dream of, think of, imagine, or fathom than this short lifetime. So what are you making, what are you doing to promote and to live for and to um, edify and lift up and help build up God's kingdom for eternity? What are you doing today that's going to last for eternity and that's going to help you in going into eternity? That's a question you ought to be asking yourself. And you can start by praying and seeking the Lord and having faith in the Father's house. So that's a great segue into our second topic, which is staying faithful in the Father's house. Your faith is more precious than gold and any and all natural or material things. There's nothing more important than your faith. Sometimes you have to go through things to remind you that it's not the gold or material things that matter. Faith can be defined this way, to have a daily dependence on God. Never lose it. What we often strive for as humans is independence. We want to be independently wealthy and so on. God has made it so that you'll never be blessed enough to where you don't need him. Because you can have all the gold and material things in the world, but without faith, you have nothing. Jobs, money, friends, things, etc. ought not to be your God, because God ought to be your God. If you take my faith from me, then my gold is over. For you take my gold from me, if you take my gold from me, but I have my faith, then I'll just be fine. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is how God transacts with human beings. Without it, there's no hope because faith causes you to prosper and to have real peace and joy, like I was talking about earlier. You have faith, you're going to have real peace and joy. And it's not just based on emotions where it's fickle. It's, it's temporal. It's ever-changing. Peace and joy shouldn't be ever-changing with the circumstances and the situations of life. It should be steady and unchanging. It's your faith that causes you to prosper and not your prosperity that causes you to have faith. You can have faith when you're prospering and when you're not because he's not just God of the mountains. He's also the God of the valleys. Blessing, blessing, blessing isn't everything. Your faith is worth more than gold. If your faith only works in good circumstances, then you don't have much faith. God is good even when things in your life aren't. So have faith and praise him. Declare today, the devil is a liar. Hallelujah. Faith has to be proven and go through the fire. And either you endure through that or you give up and quit. There's times in life 
where you have to rediscover your faith. So what are you doing to rediscover your faith? If you think money will make you happy, you're a fool. Trials will come to get you to turn in your, in your faith for gold, but your faith is worth more than gold. This world is crazy, and we're going to find out who the real Christians are. Some people go into a famine down, but come out of it up, while some enter it up and come out of it down. We learn strategies for what we are to do in times of famine, the hard times in life. You need to be in the Father's house in the times of famine. In the times of, and famine, by famine, I mean the difficult times, the dry times, the times when you're in the valleys, the, the lows of life. That's the famines. Psalms 37 verse 25, take a look at it. He never forsakes us or our seed. When you're in the Father's house, you're in covenant with God. And you and your seed, children, have God's protection from the devil. Who wants to kill you and your seed? because of that covenant. Even during times of famine in the world, the Father's house will be blessed and thriving. Look at scriptures, all throughout scriptures. You can see there's times of famine in the Bible and the God's house is still thriving. When you're obedient to him, you're thriving in those famines that are all around you. Even if that means you don't have the stuff, the material things, you're still thriving internally because you have that ultimate peace and joy that doesn't change when the times change, hopefully that makes sense. When you get yoked, connected to the Father's house, you'll be taken care of and won't go hungry. Look at 1 Corinthians 4.15. To unplug from the Father's house is to unplug from God's blessing on your life and in your life. During a famine in the Father's house, there was no lack. The evidence of a fathering anointing. Number one, he has the capacity to build a house. Number two, he has hired servants, which means he's taken care of more than just himself. And number three, there's an impartation and inheritance that those who are in the father's house under the fathering anointing receive. There's an impartation of dreams, purpose, anointing, worship. If there's ever a time when people and spiritual father need spiritual fathers, it is right now. When you're connected to the father, and spiritual fathers on earth, it helps you fight your famines. What brings famines into your life is the spirit of the prodigal. And it says, I want my inheritance right now. I want all the stuff, but I don't want to work for it. I want it. Give it to me because I'm entitled to it. That mentality is not in the Bible. The Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Some people won't read the book of Job because it spells job. Now that's pretty funny. <laughs> Some people won't read the book of Job because it spells job. That's so true. God will bless the work of your hands, but if you don't work, then he can't bless you. The principles of the Bible will work if you work. Socialism is a spirit that will destroy this nation and world. And I cannot state that enough. Socialism is a spirit that will destroy this nation and this world, and it will do it in a rapid, rapid way. You don't get something from nothing in life. You have to work for it. The prodigal spirit is the spirit of entitlement, where you think everybody owes you everything, and they just clearly do not. 
Life and people don't owe you anything. So stop thinking that they do because they do not. God won't give you what you can't manage, what you want. He'll give you what you can manage. The pride of the prodigal made him look like something he was not. The devil makes sure you're good and broke first and then sends a famine because that's just how he works. The people you think are your friend will be nowhere to be found when you're lost, when you've lost it all because they were just leeches. The ones that will be there are God and your family. And if you just start moving in the right direction, the Father God will come running to you. He'll restore you like he, like the Father did the prodigal son. The path back to prosperity for America and the lost is to come back and get connected to the Father's house again and then to never leave it again. Everything, and I mean everything, you need and this nation needs can be found and is found in the Father's house, the house of God. Our Father, our faith, and our Father is more precious than gold. Come running back to the Father's house because he'll help you. You want strength? You can find it in the Father's house. You can find it in the church, the Father's house being the church. You could find strength. You could find peace. You could find joy. Now, that's not to say you won't go through difficulties. Oh, get in the Father's house and he'll protect you from everything hard in life. Eh, nope, wrong. You'll still go through the tough times, but being in the Father's house and being connected to the church and being connected to Christ in and through those difficult times will help get you through. It'll help pull you out of darkness. It'll help pull you in to light. It'll help guide you through the storms. The Bible says the word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. What does that mean? A lamp means it lights up the here and now. A lamp doesn't really light up long distances. It's short-term distances. It's short distances of light. And then, so the lamp for my path, so your word is a lamp for my path and a light for my, I'm getting it all twisted. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. There, okay, so it's a lamp to your feet, the here and now, the short-term. And then it's a light for my path. So it helps guide me into the future. But in order to have that guide and that navigator, you have to be connected to the navigator. And the navigator is Christ. And the navigator is the church and being a part of the body of Christ. It'll help you in get through the storms of life. It doesn't help you avoid them. You're going to still go through dark times and the valleys. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's the reality of life. You're not going to avoid that. I'm not going to avoid that. But I can be helped through that by being connected to the church, by being connected to Christ, by being in prayer, like I was talking about in the first segment, and by also being faithful and not giving up and throwing in the towel at the first sign of adversity or the first sign of trials and tribulations. Oh, I'm done. I quit. I give up. Why? This is just getting good. You ought to be striving for more and striving to be a better, stronger person of God in those in and through those difficult times and saying, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I know this is hard. I know this is difficult, but I'm just going to pray more because I know that he's working out something good for me because all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So just know that maybe not here in this life, but everything's going to work out. Maybe in eternity you'll see it, but you'll look back five, 10 years down the road and you'll be like, man, he really did work that out for my good. And I don't know what I was worried about or why I was so stressed out about that. But in the end, it always works out. And when you're going through difficult times, 
get yes, be connected to the church, be connected to God, be in the Father's house, but also remember how he got you through in prior difficulties. So like I say so many times, write that stuff down so that when you're going through new difficult times and new difficult terrain and valleys and you're having to climb mountains and it's difficult and it's hard and you're out of breath, spiritually speaking, you feel like you're out of breath and you can't go anymore. You remember those times of when he, when you were there in the past and he got you through those times so he could do it again. And that's why he told the Israelites to write down so many things so that he'd pass on, so that they would pass it on to the next generation and generations on down so that they wouldn't forget what it was like to be in Egypt Egypt, and how it was like for them to be to get through that and how God brought them through that and so that their children would never forget it. Because if you forget history, it's destined to be repeated. So why would you want to forget the good things God's done for you and not write them down when you're going through difficult times? You can go, oh yeah, you know what? He really got me through that time when I was going through this marital problem or when I was going through this, this addiction, he really did get me through. And I, man, I thought there was no hope. I was at rock bottom and he pulled me through. So man, if he could do that for me, he could do this. I can trust him. And also understand that you have cheerleaders in heaven cheering you on. The Bible says there's a great crowd of witnesses that are test- telling you, come on, you know, Paul, Stephen, so many others going, come on, you've got this, buddy. You can do this. It's difficult now, but man, you, you've got this, bro. You've got this, sis. You can do this. We're cheering you on here in heaven. Fight. Finish the race. God's got such a great prize for you when you do. So understand you have cheerleaders. You have witnesses. You have encouragers. And then be an encourager. So this is a powerful thing. Is You, gotta be, you can't get these, this, this blessing and these, these principles. You're missing the mark when you're not connected to the Father's house. You're not having faith in the Father's house. You're not spiritually being fed by being connected to Christ and being innately led by him and by his spirit more and more each and every day. You ought to want to have that dynamic, that power that comes from, there's nothing like walking into a church and just feeling the presence of God just flowing out and flowing all over you and your life as you just walk in there and you just start the praise and worship service and you move into you know, tithes and offerings and into the, the hearing the word of God and the message and just getting fed. And it's like, you ought to have a spirit about you that says, you know what, God, deal with me today, perform surgery upon my heart, reveal to me any wickedness and evil that is upon and within my heart, my mind and my soul, and just transform me that I would root it out and just take it to the altar and just say, you know what, oh God, I'm so sorry for this. I just want it out of me, loose it out of me, get it out of me, deal with me and have him you ought to want to have him reveal these things to you more and more each and every day because it'll transform your life and your relationship with him will be completely and utterly helped. Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to be able to listen to each and every episode seamlessly and without the interruptions of ads and sponsorships? Well, we've got some great news for you today. We've listened and are now doing something about it for you. Say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and many, many more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus 
under the no truth culture category. Follow no truth and myself, Mr. Misunderstood, on all major social media platforms by going to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, click on social media. Become a Crusader Insider for free today by going to our website, links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, just scroll to the bottom of the page and fill out your full name and email address in the proper fields and hit submit. And you'll officially be a Crusader Insider, which is going to gain you access to insider information, all the latest and greatest new things happening within our podcast franchise, companies, all the updates, promotions, offers, and future merchandise that's going to be coming soon and much, much more. You won't want to miss it. So make sure that you become a Crusader Insider today. Let's take a look at how John was divinely human. He was divinely used by God, but he was still human. So let's take a look. You can still be used by God, even though you're human, you've sinned, etc. Because God wants to still use you via his Holy Spirit, which makes you divinely human because you are a partaker of the divine nature when you give your life to Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is divine and you need to allow him to live in you so that he can work in and through you. Let's take a look at John's divinity. John wrote five books in the Bible and that's the third most in terms of words written. Not books, but words written within those books. He's written the third most. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels, but John is not a synoptic gospel. The word synoptic comes from the word synonym, and it means similar or same. It doesn't mean the exact same. John wrote about things that aren't in the first three gospels. Look at Matt 4.12, Mark 1.14, Luke 3.19-20. Highly recommend you take a look. The first three Gospels begin with the birth of Jesus, and the book of John begins with the birth of time. Look at John 1.1. In the beginning, the first three Gospels record only one Passover, while the book of John records three Passovers. John records Jesus' first miracle in John 2.11, while the other three Gospels don't record that miracle. Jesus speaks, and if you're his sheep, then you'll hear his voice. Without Jesus, you can do nothing. No thing. So nothing, no thing. Because he is the vine and we are the branches. With Jesus, we can do all things. Theologians recommend new believers read the book of John first, especially if it's the only book they can have access to read within the Bible. John is the red letter gospel. There's more red letters in the book of John than there is in any other book of the Bible. John tells us more of what Jesus said about himself than in any other book in the Bible. John has more of Jesus's words than any other book of the Bible. Think about that. There's more red letters within the book of John than in any other book of the Bible. John is the I am book of the Bible. Look at John 6.35. I am the bread of life. John 8.12. Then there's John 10.7. John 10.11. John 11, 25, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. And there's John 15, 1, 
John 8, 58, John 10, 36. It's all talking about how he is the I am. You are human and you can be divinely used by God, as was John. Understand that. John 13, 34 is where we are given a new commandment from Jesus to love one another. And it's recorded in the book of John. That's, this is how he was used divinely. John's the only disciple who wasn't martyred, even though they tried. He just wouldn't die. John lived to be over 100 years old. And history tells us that in the last five years of his life, he only said three words. And those three words were extremely, extremely powerful. Love one another. Now let's look at John's humanity. Look at Luke 9 verses 51 through 54. They show John's humanity. Look at John 13, 23. It's where John declares about himself that he was a disciple whom Jesus loved. Sounds a little arrogant, doesn't it? Then he does the same thing again in John 21, 20. And in John 19, 26. Again in John 22, 20 verse 2. Five times he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Seems a little bit human to me, doesn't it? John 20 verse 3 through 4. John doesn't name himself, even though it's him. And then goes on to state, that he outran Peter to the tomb of Jesus and even beat him to it. Here's what we learned from John's humanity. He's a disciple Jesus loved. He was faster than Peter. He worked harder than Peter and that Peter fished in his underwear. John tells us that Jesus was human for 33 years, but that he's divine forever. That's powerful. Look, the book of John tells us that Jesus was human for 33 years, but that he's divine forever powerful. John was a human divinely used by God. And you are a human that can also be divinely used by God. So don't negate that. Don't think that can't be of true of you because it can be. It's not about you and your works. And if you're good enough, it's about God and he is good enough. And he only needs a conduit and a vessel. He decided to partner with you and me to minister to other human beings. God can use you divinely, even though you are human. And I cannot state that enough. It can't be overstated. You're human, yes, but you can still be divinely used by God in an extremely and utterly transformative and powerful way. Let's take a look at Talk Back. So I highly recommend taking a look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 2 through 11. And then Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 2. Definitely need to read those. Understand that Satan opposes you. And that the word oppose, oppose, means to resist by way of accusation. The devil will throw accusations at you as much as he can because it's his job and he loves doing it. It's one of Satan's number one strategies to accuse you, is to accuse you of anything and everything you do wrong or you, he, he wants you to think you're doing wrong. Some examples of accusations the devil will throw at you are, well, you're a phony, you're an imposter, you're not a real Christian, you're a hypocrite, and so many more. The devil wants to accuse you because according to spiritual warfare, he'll take just a little bit of the truth and then mix it with a ton of lies and falsehoods, but there's just enough truth in there to twist you and throw you and your life off its balance. Your strategy against Satan ought to be that when he speaks his accusations to you and against you, that you speak right back to him immediately. Do not wait. 
by rebuking him and his accusations. You need to do this immediately. Rebuke him and his accusations. Call him out. Tell him he's a liar. This is a hard learned lesson because the little bit of truth that are in Satan's accusations against you will get you to back off and feel unworthy and that you can't really challenge the accusations. But as is stated in Zechariah 3 verse 2, you ought to say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. You can rebuke Satan and back him off of your life. Talk back to the devil. Amen. Talk back to the devil, which leads me into, we'll pause here for a moment, the Bible trivia question for the week. What is the one, what is one of the best ways to defeat the devil? Talk back to the devil. There it is. That's your biblical trivia answer for the week. There it is. Question answered. Talk back to the devil. God doesn't want you to be a bench warmer. He wants you to be an active Christian for his kingdom. You need to learn how to talk back to the devil. God's people are winners, not because we're so strong, but because the God we serve is almighty. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, he had to wrestle for a moment. The biggest temptation Satan wants you to give into is listening to him instead of listening to God. The voice of the devil can seem so powerful, and oftentimes it seems to overpower the voice of God. And that's why so many people fall. Jesus was tempted by Satan three times in the text in Matthew 4, and he didn't give in either of those three times. Be glad for that because that means that you have hope, that I have hope. Do you know what Jesus did to break the power of the temptations those three times? He talked back to the devil. He quoted scripture back to the devil for each of the three temptations. Instead of talking, talking back to the devil, far too many people talk with the devil instead. Right there is where people get into trouble because Jesus didn't dialogue with the devil. He talked back to him. There's people worshiping the devil today because he's made them a promise. And so they've sold their souls to him and how they've truly, tragically destroyed their life. It's, it's so truly and utterly tragic that this has happened. People sell their souls to the devil because he promises them fame, popularity, so on and so forth. And they do receive these things on earth. So, I mean, I guess he fulfills, quote unquote, his promise. You should be talking back to the devil and telling him that his money isn't worth your soul and that his popularity isn't worth your soul being in the flames of fire in hell for eternity. Talk back to the devil. Jesus talked back to the devil after all three temptations. And the Bible says that after the third time, Jesus talked back to him, that the devil left him and the angels came and ministered to him. When you talk back to the devil and stand your ground and the devil realizes that, hey, I can't get to this person with my seduction, then he's got to go and he'll find somebody else somewhere else. And that's incredible that he'll leave you alone for a season. He won't leave you alone forever. Understand that and always be on guard. A key to overcoming temptation, never let the enemy know your weakness. Never let the devil know that his temptations are hurting you. You're going to be in weak times of temptation, but if the devil knows that his temptations are breaking you down, then he'll come more and more and more. And what you've got to do is learn to talk back to him. The devil doesn't always appear as a devil. So understand that. He's not always going to appear as himself. That's just a harsh wake-up call. He's not just going to appear to you as some 
evil looking creature with devil horns and this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. He's very good at the skies. Oftentimes when the devil's tempting you, you won't see the devil. You'll just see a weak you. You'll just see yourself and the one who's really behind all of the voices is the devil. Sometimes the devil will speak to you through other people. Hello, look at Peter. If you want to have some victory as a child of God, don't let the devil use you as a surrogate to talk to other people and discourage them. Look at Matt 16, 22 through 23. You'll notice in the above scriptures that Satan used Peter as a surrogate to try to discourage Jesus. Peter straight up rebuked Jesus. And Jesus' response was to talk back to the devil and say, get behind me, Satan. Jesus looks at Peter and says, I know it's your voice, Peter, but that ain't you. He didn't say, get behind me, Peter. He said, you have allowed yourself to be an instrument of Satan. And so he looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, because nobody else could see that it was really Satan and not Peter. But Jesus did see that it was, in fact, really Satan and not Peter saying these things. Satan was behind the scenes using Peter as a conduit, as a puppet, essentially, in those moments, speaking through Peter. And he could do the same for you. So many people get this scripture twisted. And they think, well, well, why would Jesus call Peter Satan? That's very mean of him to call him Satan. No, he wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was calling Satan Satan because it was Satan using Peter as an instrument and as a tool to try and get Jesus off his game and try and derail and get him off track. And Jesus saw Satan right through it. He didn't see Peter in that moment because it wasn't Peter. It was Satan working in and through Peter. Once you understand that, it is extremely powerful. It's one of the most un misunderstood scriptures in all of the Bible, right there in Matthew 16, 22 through 23. One of the most misunderstood scriptures in all of the Bible. And it's so powerful when people fully grasp and understand that he's not just name calling Peter, that he's legitimately talking to Satan in and through Peter. He's literally calling Satan out of Peter, telling him, get out of Peter, Satan, get out of here, get out of Peter. Peter's a good guy, get out of him. Stop using him as a conduit to try and advance your objectives, your will for the earth. It's extremely powerful. And when you can understand that, you'll understand that he'll use, sometimes he'll use your family members. Sometimes he'll use your friends, your coworkers. That's what Satan does. He's fighting a proxy war. He can only be in one place at one time. So the reality is you're fighting in a proxy war with the devil. He uses anyone and anything he can possibly get his hands on to get you to fail, to fall, to seek, to kill, destroy, and to devour you with, by any means necessary. So understand that you always have to be on guard because he's never done fighting against you. Be aware that who you call a friend sometimes can say things to you and it's not really that friend saying it. Again, I just said that, but it's the devil. Don't allow anger or anything else to cause you to be used by the devil as a surrogate to discourage or spin somebody else out. Exactly. Be aware that the devil does this and don't allow him to do it and to use you like he used Peter in that moment. Understand that the devil can and does speak through people. Yes, extremely powerful to understand that. Get read up and prayed up and filled with the Holy Spirit so you're ready to talk back to the devil when he speaks to you. Tell the devil, not today, Satan. Be self-aware when you're more vulnerable to the devil and his attacks and be ready. So be aware of when you're feeling weak and vulnerable and susceptible to attack, attacks, temptations, and triggers, and pray. The minute those temptations and those attacks and those things come from the devil, pray and just get down and seek the Lord. 
and talk back to the devil. Look at Genesis 39, verses 7 through 9. Joseph talked back to the devil when Potiphar's wife said, Come lie with me. Don't go cry and sulk and dialogue with the devil when the devil tempts you. Rise up and talk back to him and do so immediately. How our moral climate would be so much greater if more men spoke to the devil and his temptations like Joseph did. Exactly. Praise God. Amen. When you talk back to the devil, he will leave you. We have a sin nature because Adam and Eve didn't talk back to the devil. Learn from the text that Satan knows how to talk to you, but he also knows when to talk to you, which is probably, I'd be willing to bet, to some extent is even more powerful. One of the things that makes Satan's voice so effective isn't just what he says, but when he says it. In the text, Jesus is just starting his public ministry. He's stepping out. He's beginning to introduce himself as the savior of the world. He's performing miracles and people can see that God is with him. He's walking on water. He's raising the dead. He's opening blinded eyes and so much more. He's beginning his public ministry. And the Bible says that Satan comes and tempts him so that people cannot see God, but that people would just see a broken and fallen man like everybody else. That's a huge lesson to be learned here from Jesus. Anytime you make a move towards God, Satan will show up and make a move toward you and start talking to you. Anytime, I'll repeat, anytime you make a move toward God, Satan will make a move toward you and start talking to you. And it will almost happen immediately. Look at Luke 9, 40 through 42. As soon as the, de- the demon-possessed child started coming to Jesus, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. So in, a- in other words, as soon as the child made a step toward God, moved toward Jesus, the demon, the devil within, within the boy, the devil, the demons within the boy, threw him down and started to convulse him. Why? Because he started making a move toward God and the devil made a move toward him. He wanted to stop him from getting to God. That's his whole objective. He wants to do the same to you. Understand that as soon as you make a step towards God, the devil will show up and start talking to you. It's automatic. The devil knows to talk to you when you're vulnerable, when you lose your own sense of identity, when you start feeling bad about yourself, when you've committed some kind of sin. He'll say, this is the time to talk to them because he's got you on the ropes. You're second guessing yourself and you're questioning your calling and he'll keep talking to you and throwing things at you as much as he can because he wants you to quit and to give up on God. If a doctor makes a wrong diagnosis, he'll give you the wrong treatment. And if you don't see the devil, you don't and won't deploy the right deliverance. Look at Revelations 20 verse 10. Simply call Satan the accuser of the brethren. That's what the scripture does. Revelations 20 verse 10 simply calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. So he's constantly accusing you. You're this, you're that. That's just what he does. So what do you do when the devil tempts you and speaks lies to you? Do you have a conversation with the devil? Or do you realize that it's time for you to learn to talk back to him? Jesus shows you in these scriptures how truly powerful it is to talk back to the devil. And it's even more powerful when you talk the word of God back to him. Because every time Jesus confronted Satan, he said, it is written. In other words, the Bible says. Because when you talk back to the devil and say the Bible says, it stops him dead in his tracks. Because the word has power and dominion. 
tell the devil to shut his mouth. Without Jesus, you're just a puppet for the devil. That's exactly right. That's what Peter was in those moments that he was rebuking Jesus. He was a puppet for the devil. You could say that's harsh. You could say whatever you want. It's the truth. When you talk back to the devil, every voice will cease out of your head and every bit of condemnation will cease out of your life. You just have to learn to talk back to the devil. In Matthew 4 verse 11, after Jesus rebuked the devil, talked back to him three times, the devil left him. Hallelujah. The devil realized that nothing he was saying or doing was working. And so he utterly left Jesus. I'm going to encourage you. Like I've said a thousand times, talk back to the devil. It's the perfect way to have every stronghold broken from your life. You already have the victory. Just walk in the authority of Jesus. He gives you power of attorney to use his name to rebuke the devil. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you, Satan. Satan, that's power of authority. You have power of attorney to use the name of Jesus to say to the devil, in Jesus' name, out with you. Satan has already been defeated. You're a winner in Jesus' name. Understand that. There is power in the name of Jesus, and you'll have victory when you understand and know that there is the power in Jesus. But you're never going to win a battle against the devil if you just have a conversation and dialogue with him. You ought not to ever dialogue with the devil. It ought to be, hey, Satan, I heard you said that. You know what? I rebuke you. The scriptures say this. The Bible says this. The word of God says this. Out with you, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Leave me alone, Satan. I say no. And then he'll leave you alone. You just talk back to him. Don't talk with him. Don't converse with him. Talk back to him and say, no, I rebuke you. Go back to where you came from. Go back to hell. I don't want you a part of my life. I don't want you in my head, my heart, my mind, or my soul attacking me nonstop because I'm giving you credence. I'm giving your words credence and believing what you're saying about me and to me. No, I'm done with you, devil. You've taken up so much of my time. I've given you so much of my heart, my mind, and my soul all throughout my life, and I'm done with you. It's time that I'm giving the rest of my life, the rest of my time, my thoughts, my actions, my deeds to God. I'm going to serve Jesus now. You're dead to me, Satan. So shut your mouth and know that your attacks and your strategies no longer work because I serve an almighty and powerful God that helps me to have the victory each and every second of the day. Amen for that. Praise God for that. Hallelujah. We ought to be rejoicing in this fact, knowing that, you know what? We can have victory today. You can have the victory today by saying, you know what? I'm done. This is such a powerful thought. I can't hit this home, this point home enough. Talk back to the devil. It will open up. It, for me, it's opened up such a dynamic in my prayer life. And when the devil comes, it's like, no, I'm tired of giving you credence. I'm tired of allowing you to, to torment my mind so much throughout any given day. Out with you, Satan. Get behind me. I serve a powerful God. That is not who I am anymore. Behold, in, in Christ Jesus, I'm a new creation. The old man has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Memorize that scripture. You'll have a powerful tool to fight the devil back. Use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to fight the devil. It's an offensive weapon in the armor of God that you are given to fight the devil. And pray. That's also an offensive weapon given in the armor of God to fight the devil. Pray. Be like, you know what? I'm under attack right now by the devil. 
and I don't want to be under attack by the devil. So I'm going to get prayed up and I'm going to have the victory because I'm going to talk back to the devil. Hallelujah. The send off, the feel good story of the week. Is it going to be about a dog? Is it going to be about a bicyclist? Maybe a motorcyclist? Maybe a cliff? Maybe some rock climbers? Oh, it's going to be Detroit family dog saves toddler in a fire. Mom says he went running back into the house. Let's take a look. A family dog in Michigan is credited for saving the life of a toddler in a fire. He went running back into the house because he knew Chantel, my youngest, was in her playpen. Janet Kelly told Fox to Detroit. The firefighters had to chase him up. And once they got there, they realized what was going on. Kelly, the five additional members of her family, and the dog named Blue are all living in their van after a fire destroyed their home last week. No dogs are allowed at a shelter, and I refuse to leave Blue because God knows where my family would be without him, Kelly said. The mom is convinced because of Blue, the baby is now safe and uninjured. The top level of their duplex caught fire after another tenant's kids were playing with a lighter. Two of Kelly's daughters and their uncle were at the east side Detroit home at the time. The oldest girl, Zoe, and her uncle got out safe. I thought one of my sisters got hurt or my cat or dog, Zoe said. The family got blue two years ago from Detroit Dog Rescue. The Red Cross covered a hotel for a few nights, but the family is strapped for cash. They are now looking for a landlord who may be willing to help them out and have a GoFundMe set up. It's powerful. A dog can save a life. You know, that's just a phenomenal picture of the beauty and just utter brilliance and majesty of God that he could he creates such finite and infinite beings and animals that he just puts hearts within to help and even save lives it's just you look at creation and you just see God inter interwined and weaved in and throughout all of it and if you don't you're blind because it's just it's crying out I am God I'm the creator I'm it and it's just absolutely majestic and and incredible to see that God is working in and through lives and and animals even to save lives. And it's just a testament to what he creates and how great he truly is. And if he created a dog and loves a dog, how much more does he love you as a human being? He wants you to, to give your life to him, to repent of your sins, to turn from your wicked ways, and to fall in love with him more today than you ever have before. Because you need him. And he wants you to realize that you ought to want him and know that you do need him and that you want and desire to have that open and honest and real, sincere, genuine relationship with him. And it can start today. All you have to do is repent of your sins and trust in him. In other words, turn your turn 180 degrees from your sins and look the other way and go the other way. Don't look back. Change your mind. Change the way you think and view sin. Hate it. Talk to yourself and say, you know, what? I'm not, I don't want to do that anymore. And that doesn't mean that you won't have times, moments of weakness where you won't fail, but that doesn't give you a free pass to keep doing it. Strive to not want to do it. Strive to, to live a, your life in such a way that you don't do it anymore. That's a powerful thing. I see and hear so many people that make excuses. Oh, well, God knows that I'm going to sin. I'm going to fall short. And it's like they're giving themselves a free pass to do and live however they want. And it's like, no, that's not what God wants you to do. That's a scary place to be. So all you have to do is repent and trust in Jesus. And you too can make heaven your home. Let's pray. Jesus, I come before you and I pray for this person, this specific person with these headphones in their ear. 
listening to me on the other end that's desperate for you and that their heart and their soul is crying out for a savior, you'd save them and draw them under yourself and pull them up out of the muck and out of the mire, sanctify them, help them to hate their sin more and more each and every day and reveal to them who you are, that they couldn't run away from you anymore, that they would just decide in their hearts right now to run to you and not from you. I pray for true peace and true joy all throughout this week, that they would just come to know you as Father God, as Savior, and that they would want to have that deep, personal connection and relationship with you. And I just thank you and help them throughout the week, get through the week, get through the trials of life by seeking you and being connected to you in the Father's house in faith and help them to talk back to the devil all throughout this week and for the rest of their lives that they would take from this, that they could talk back to the devil, that they don't have to converse with him and listen to him anymore. And I just give you all the praise and all the glory for who you are and for who I am in you and for who they can be in you as well. Amen. And with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to this episode. No Truth Culture is created, recorded, edited, and produced by our production company, Pearly Gates USA, which is owned and operated by our parent company, The Big Time USA. Make sure that you follow the podcast and turn the notifications on by hitting the icon so that you get alerted about every new episode as soon as it's released. Do you hate listening to ads and sponsorships? Well, say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and much, much more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus under the No Truth Culture category. To make a one-time financial gift, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once you're on the website, click on support. With your financial support, you make all of this possible. So thank you. Well, the Band-Aid has been ripped off. So it's time to ask yourself one final question. Has the truth set you free so that you could be free indeed? For myself, Mr. Misunderstood, and the rest of our team here at Pearly Gates USA and the Big Time USA, thank you so much for your loyal listening. And we look forward to you listening again next episode.